Welcome back to another week of the We Know Ball podcast. I'm your host, Jasper Lindsay. Joined with me as always, Gavin Bowman. And Gav, what a weekend of football. What a weekend. A lot to talk about, a lot to recap. I kind of missed in the NFL this weekend. Some things happened that I was not expecting to see, but college football. I think I was right for the most part. I think we smashed weekend in picks and let's hop into it. Yeah, man, we switched places this weekend. I went 2-1 and one in the NFL, and you had a little 3-0, and oh, nice little day in college football. But you're absolutely right. Let's get right into it. Jumping into the agenda for y'all today. Big weekend in college football, as Gavin mentioned. Some statement wins, some crazy action in the SEC. And, of course, we got winners and losers coming your way. In the NFL, I mean, this season just keeps getting weirder by the week. Still not sure what to make of pretty much any team in the NFL. Regardless, we're going to break it all down for you. But, as always, we begin our breakdowns on the college side And this weekend's slate turned out to be a little more interesting than we expected. A lot of games where we thought we weren't going to see close head-to-head matchups and some teams really pulled away. But we got to start with that Friday night game. Utah visiting Oregon and Gav, you hit this game on the nail. Take it away. Felt good to predict pretty much exactly what happened. Um, You mentioned that we still don't know what the fuck's going on in the NFL. I think in college, some some. Pictures are starting to take shape. We know what teams actually look like. We know who's a pretender versus a contender. And as long as Utah doesn't have Cam Rising, they are very much a pretender. This offense could not move the football on this Oregon State defense, just as I predicted. Only 57 total yards on the ground. Less than 200 yards total for this Utah team throughout the entire game. They just don't have the weapons, man. They don't have the weapons. You got Jalen Glover averaging about three yards on the ground. Not great. Uh, their leading receiver is tight end Thomas Yasmin. Devon Vele is not too far behind them, but they just lack the weapons on offense to get anything going. So when they go out of Rice Eccles and have to play against some quality defenses, they're going to lose. <laughs> and You know, as I said in the preview, Utah's run defense is stout. It's the best in the country. It's not particularly close. They held Oregon State to 3.6 yards per rush. No one's been able to do that against the Beavers so far this year. They just couldn't keep up because Oregon State's offense was always on the field because Utah's offense couldn't get anything going. This Utah defense got tired. Oregon State wore them down, and they ended up pulling away the tail end because of it. Absolutely, and I'm glad you mentioned that Oregon State defense because, man, did they show up to play. This Utah team's all about getting time of possession, and with Nate Johnson, it's all about running the football at the quarterback position. There's not a lot of passing. There's not a lot of conversion converting on third downs. They got to get their first downs early, and that really hurt them in this game. For me, it really sucks that Oregon State had to go and lose in Pullman because this team is so good, man. I mean, it feels like we're going to say this a lot about teams in the Pac-12 where it's like, man, if they just didn't have that one loss. This conference is is just too deep. Utah, I thought, played well for their circumstances, but they need to get healthy and they need to get Cam Rising back out there. If he's playing, they probably make this game a lot closer than it was. They had to once again rely on the ground game in this one, and that just doesn't work against this Beaver defensive front. Yeah, absolutely not. And Cam Rising coming back will certainly give the offense a boost. If you say it doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. But it's it's not enough, in my opinion, to overcome what the struggles are right now. I mean, they've scored, what, four or five offensive touchdowns all year? It's it's pretty ridiculous that this offense can't get anything going. And their schedule does not get any easier from here. They get Cal this week at home. They should win that one. But then they got to go on the road to face the Trojans in the Coliseum. And sure, Utah's had their number in the past, but I find it hard to believe Utah scoring 40 points on anybody, even this abysmal USC defense. 
They get Oregon at home the week after. Getting them at home is going to be huge. But they got to play Washington on the road uh, in the penultimate week of the season. They're going to lose that football game. I'm past the point of concern for Utah. I'm fully out on them. This defense is phenomenal, but this offense is not talented enough to win them football games and get them back into CFP contention. Yeah, I'm downgrading them in my Pac-12 rankings too. Just fun. They're no longer those dudes. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> They've yeah. lost that dude status. They need they need Cam rising back, man, and they need him back bad. We'll see what kind of an impact he can make on this team. But as you mentioned, that schedule does not get any easier for them. They're going to need to figure some things out quick, and I don't think they can do it. They won't be able to do it. They, the only thing they have going for them is they always win at home and their defense is phenomenal. But you go on the road against a team that can get the ball downfield semi-regularly and has a good defense in their own right, and it's night-night. So they may be able to make that USC game close because the Trojans have no defense, but they are going to struggle against Oregon, and they're they're going to lose to Washington by a lot. I'm glad you mentioned that Trojan defense, man, because that's where we're headed next versus Colorado. and. It was one of those games, man, where, I mean, it felt like USC had this thing wrapped up in the first half. Caleb Williams was was going great. The ground game was getting after it. But once again, man, second half, Shadur popped out and made this one a game. Dude, week in, week out, this USC defense just decides not to show up. They make zero adjustments week to week, in game. And this is all Alex Grinch's fault. <laughs> we we talked about this during our Pac-12 preview. I, I think he's got to be the worst coordinator, assistant coach in college football. It's, it's absurd. This is coming off of a week where we saw this Oregon defense absolutely stymie Colorado. And sure, Colorado's got playmakers on the outside. They have the ability to move the ball. Shador is indeed an NFL talent. But my God, 41 points? After Oregon held them to six, I'm starting to see a clear picture of who's the actual second best team in this Pac-12 behind Washington. And it's not USC with this defense they got. Caleb's out here throwing 400 yards and six tutties, and they're barely coming away with wins. This is downright embarrassing for this USC defense, allowing 564 total yards to the Buffs. I don't have much more to say after that. That pretty much tells you all you need to know. The Buffs were averaging, what is it, like eight yards per play? Some stupid shit like that? What was it? No, 6.3 yards per play. But even still, I mean, we're close to that against Colorado defense. That The talent gap's insane. USC's defense is loaded. I, I don't understand how they come week in, week out, and just underperform. This Alex Grinch defense is bad, man, but I guess in his defense, was Oklahoma ever known for their defense in those Lincoln-Riley teams? I mean, they were all, let's score the football with the quarterback. Unfortunately for them, though, this is not the Big 12. You are not going to be in a bunch of offensive shootouts. There are teams in this Pac-12 that can stop you on the ground and through the air, and that's what the Oregon Ducks do, man. They stopped Colorado through the air. That was the recipe. USC failed to follow it. I mean, this team just doesn't scare me on the defense side of the football. Yes, they can get that, get after the quarterback a little bit. They are sacking at a pretty high rate, but they cannot stop the pass. And that's going to be bad against not only the Penixes of the world, but they got Sam Hartman in two weeks. And that's a guy who is going to be able to throw the football effectively against this team. And I'm starting to get really scared for them, man. I mean, they are looking more and more like a pretender in this Pac-12. Caleb Williams is phenomenal. He is the front runner for Heisman right now, at least from my standards. But he's not going to be enough to take this team to that upper echelon, which is the college football playoff. And it's going to be a shame, man. I mean, I think we all want to see Caleb Williams compete late in December. But yeah, man, I mean, they cannot stop the pass. And that is not a recipe for success in the Pac-12 this year. They can't stop anything. It's, it's, it's pretty ridiculous that a team 
this good on paper is giving up 40 points a game. And you're right. We talked about it during our Pac-12 preview. It's the second half of the schedule for the Trojans, which is an absolute barn burner. And after this week, we're there. Notre Dame, Utah, Cal, Washington, Oregon, UCLA. Six straight weeks of losable football games, including that Cal game. They go on the road. I'm very, very concerned. I need to see what they do in South Bend in two weeks. You're absolutely right. I want to see just how badly Sam Hartman and company pick this defense apart. That'll give me a really good sense of where this team stands heading into their final five games. Jumping over to the SEC because we had a crazy weekend there. And the first marquee matchup we got to talk about, man, is this Kentucky-Florida matchup. The Wildcats look for real. And Florida lost at their own game. Yeah. All day, Ray coming in, running the ball straight down Florida's throat. You'd expect the Gators to be more physical <laughs> up front. That's, as you said, that's how they've been winning their games. They've been winning with their own running game and playing some stout defense. Kentucky came in and beat them at their own game. Couldn't say any better myself. 329 yards on the ground for this Kentucky team. They set the tempo early and they never looked back. Devin Leary didn't have to do shit. He only threw the ball 19 times for 69 yards. And Florida was forced to rely on the passing game and Graham Mertz from very early on. And as we said during this game preview, that's not how they win football games. Kentucky's real, man. They're finally up to number 20 in the poll. They're playing incredible defense. They're incredibly efficient on offense. Efficient was the word I kept using to describe them in the preview for this game. They proved me right in this one, and they go on the road to Athens this week. So they have another chance to prove it and prove to the world that they are for real. And if you're Kentucky, this is exactly where you want to be at this point in the season. You're 5-0. and You're looking great. This Mark Stoops defense, man, I was telling you in the preseason, this guy just figures out a way to motivate. They stop the run. They force Graham Mercer to be a pocket passer. It works perfection. That game against Georgia is going to be fun, and we'll get into Georgia in a bit here, but they, they can easily cover that 14-and-a-half spread if they play a complete game. As for Florida, boy, Billy Napier's seat just got hot again. This team is just so inconsistent which has kind of been the standard for Florida the past couple of years. They have the talent, but they aren't getting coached well enough to truly utilize it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you should bring up Billy Napier being back on the hot seat. We were just giving this guy praise the other week for coming out and beating Tennessee, getting this team back in the top 25, and it's all come crumbling down once again. Not much else to say other than props to Kentucky for exposing this team, beat them at their own game, like we've said a thousand times now, but you're right. So much talent on this Florida team seemingly going to waste. Three and two does not represent how talented this team is, especially on the defensive side of the football. As we saw this weekend, they're not a team that's built to come from behind and win football games. So if they get off to slow starts uh, coming down the stretch, the second half of their schedule here, similar results will happen. I think the most telling thing for me, and we'll obviously get to this when we break down the NFL, but the way Anthony Richardson is performing in the NFL right now tells me everything I need to know about how Billy Napier is not able to get the most out of his players. <laughs> Seriously. And yeah, guys, a fucking raw talent tearing it up for the Colts right now. And <laughs> he had to go to Graham Mertz. Yeah, you're right. Billy Napier back on the hot seat. Sucks to say it, but brutal showing for the Gators this weekend. Absolutely. And now we got to jump over to teams that are built to not only come from behind, but turn games to track meet fast. And that was the game done in Oxford, Mississippi this weekend with LSU at Ole Miss. This game was all gas, no breaks. 49-55. What a brutal loss for Brian Kelly and LSU. Up 42-33 heading to the fourth. And the Rebs just outscore the Tigers 21-7 in the fourth quarter to get a huge win. 
one of my one of the favorite football games that I've ever watched, college football games. Not a lick of defense played. Apparently, Vegas was right. This was the most points scored in a matchup between these two teams ever. Just incredible offensive play on both sides of the football, coupled with just lackluster defensive play. Ole Miss gained 706 yards in this game. LSU gained 637. Fucking wild. Was there a single turnover? I don't think. Uh, there might have been a fumble. I think there was a fumble loss. Let's see. Yeah. Ole Miss forced a fumble, but that, that that's it. They forced one fumble, no picks thrown, incredible quarterback play. Jaden Daniels, 414, four touchdowns. Jackson Dart, 389, four touchdowns. And, I mean, the, the final score tells you all you need to know. Just an incredible shootout track meet of a game. There had to be one winner. It was pretty, pretty even throughout the entire way. Ole Miss just came away with one drive and one stop at the tail end and, and got the W. The Rebels looked unreal on offense. Dart probably played the best game of his career. And our boy Keyshawn Judkins, Gav, finally got it going on the ground. It's about fucking time. The defense, they gave 637 yards, yes. But this game was going to be a track meet from the get. Honestly, probably Lane Kiffin's most impressive win I think I've seen at Ole Miss. And a huge win to get this team back in the hunt for the SEC West. LSU, on the other hand, bad news for Brian Kelly, man. This is such an up-and-down team. They look like they have zero identity. The defense surrendered 700-plus yards, as you mentioned. How much of this game gets blamed on Brian Kelly? Probably most of it. (laughs) We talked about during our SEC preview how LSU is CBU, right? They they just breed guys in that secondary. And we had serious concerns coming into this year that the secondary was actually legit. We've been proven right through six weeks. They don't look good on defense at all. That's a coaching thing. The talent is there. Brian Kelly's fault. He's not on the hot seat because they are committed to him long-term down there in Baton Rouge. But... You do want to see this defense take a leap from this year to next year. And it shouldn't be difficult concerning the rate at which they're giving up yards right now. However, for both teams, while this game was awesome and it was a great win for Ole Miss, you're not going to win football games in the SEC giving up 630 yards. Thankfully for Ole Miss, their schedule is relatively easy from here on out. They've got Arkansas at home, Auburn on the road, which could pose a problem, aside from the fact that Auburn doesn't have a quarterback. So that's uh, great for Ole Miss in that regard. Vanderbilt, AM at home, and they go on the road to Georgia, they'll lose that game, but it's fine. They're, they were going to lose that game anyways. Similar for LSU. If you're not going to play defense, you're not going to compete in the SEC. They've got a semi-easy schedule as well to end the season here. Eh, you know what? I take that back. A little more difficult. They have Missouri on the road this week, a team playing great football. Auburn, Bama on the road, Florida at home, AM at home. A lot of games versus teams that can put up points, and they continue to give up yards at the rate they're giving them up. And it's it's going to be a long second half of the season for the Tigers. Yeah, that Missouri game scares me for LSU. We'll see how it goes this weekend, and we'll definitely preview that one. All right, rounding out this week's slate with the game of the week, Duke versus Notre Dame. And boy, was this one gritty. The defenses for both squads came to play. It felt a lot like the matchup the Irish faced last week versus the Buckeyes, except with the opposite result. Unfortunately for Duke, they could just not get it going on offense in the first half. That Riley Leonard pick was brutal. He was careless with the football. What did you see in this one? Two defenses that came to play. You hit the, hit the nail on the head right there. That was the game I expected from these two teams, and that was the game that we got. Each of these teams gained more yards on offense than I actually thought they did just watching the game. 381 for the Irish, 159 
behind that coming on the ground. Audric Estime got going, which I expected them to. 18 rushes for 81 yards. And Duke was able to get it going on the ground too. They rushed for 189 yards. That was how they were going to stay in this game was on the ground. I didn't know if they would be able to do it, but they did. And a lot of that came from Riley Leonard. He rushed the ball himself for 18 times for 88 yards. He was actually the leading rusher in this game on both teams. Ultimately, Notre Dame was the more talented team, and it showed coming down the stretch. Sam Harmon with that fourth and 16 run to save the game, to save their season, to save everything. Just incredible. Using his playmakers outside and Mitchell Evans, really just Mitchell Evans. He was the only one that eclipsed 30 yards receiving for the Irish. So Duke did a really good job in the passing game, slowing down Sam Harmon and company. It's a shame that Riley Leonard had to injure at the tail end of that game. The high ankle sprain is definitely going to bug him for multiple weeks to come, but you know, if, if, if you're Duke, I'm taking this game as a big positive. They took decent care of the football. You know, they, they gave it away only once because Notre Dame didn't recover that fumble. Actually, no, they recovered one of those fumbles. So they gave it away twice. This is a game that preseason, not many experts believe Duke would even have a chance in. And if it not for that Sam Hartman fourth and 16 run, they would have won this football game. Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned Estime. He continues to be the best running back in college football week in, week out. They know they can trust him on the ground. And I mean, dude, the way this guy just hits the gaps in the defense is nothing short of surgical. As you said, Duke battled back in the second, showed a lot of heart, just couldn't get there in the end. The Leonard injury is something to monitor. It is a concern. Thankfully, it won't keep him out for the year. But yeah, this game went as expected for me. I mean, Duke put up a solid effort, but the Irish were just the better team and it showed in the end. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out a way to attack this game and analyze it that breaks it down exactly how it went. But then, I mean, that, that was it. The Irish are the better team. They should be winning this football game. That fake punt was crazy also in the first half. Marcus Freeman pulling that out of the bag. That was a big, a big play. Got this team going. Got them seven points early the physical football game duke's line of scrimmage held up a lot better than i expected them to they simply were just a less talented team and notre dame eventually took over towards the tail end you said exactly how this game was going to go you said one team's going to pull away at the end ultimately it was notre dame they they ended up covering that spread but the under oh yeah big time big time that wraps up our breakdown of the slate for this weekend it's time to jump into winners and losers and gavin let you kick us off with the winners sure thing winner number one the Pac-2. I'm talking about Washington State and Oregon State. Both teams in the top 15 for the first time all season. Oregon State showing that loss to Washington State was a one-off. They still have problems in the pass rush, but thankfully for them, Utah can't throw the football. Back into the top 15, Washington State sitting at number 13. They go on the road to the Rose Bowl this weekend to take on the UCLA Bruins. The Pac-2 behind Washington, Oregon, and USC are the next two teams in the Pac-12 in the top 25. Good for them. You love to see. My first one of the weekend, and I'm sticking with Oxford, and that is Lane Kiffin. I can't emphasize enough how big this win was for Lane and his team. Were they dominant? No. But when they play a complete football game, they can hang with anyone in the SEC West. And man, this is one they needed after that brutal loss to Bama last week. I really think it's going to be A&M and Ole Miss battling it out for that top spot in the West here down the stretch. Interesting. Interesting. Because my second winner is another team in the West, and that's Alabama. Everyone's forgetting about this team, and I've done my fair share of shitting on them, don't get me wrong, but they have zero SEC losses. Let's not forget that. They lost to Texas. And the past two weeks, they have silently found their identity, and that is don't throw the football. So coming down the stretch here, it's going to be tough winning games that way, but people are riding off Alabama, forgetting about them. That's always something dangerous to do when Nick Saban's the head coach. Don't forget about Bama. They are quietly winning football games, winning them easily, finding out who they really are. 
and playing some more disciplined football. I love that Bama has an identity, but as you mentioned, throwing the football is a concern for me. I think especially in that LSU game and even next week versus Max Johnson, who has proved to be very good for Texas A&M thus far. I think Bama is going to need to throw the football at some point. We'll see if Jalen Milrow can do it. Who knows? Maybe they do a little committee thing with Ty Simpson where they bring him in to throw the football. I don't know. But regardless, my next winner is Missouri. This team looks better and better every week. Brady Cook has looked like a good quarterback this year and something we did not expect them to be able to do in throwing the football. Now they head into a huge game against LSU that I absolutely think they have a chance to win. Watch out for this Tiger team, not that Tiger team. <laughs> I like it. Go Tigers, not Tigers, uh, as Ed Ogeron would say. My third and final winner, you brought him up. It was great to see him finally get going. Quinn Sean Judkins, 33 carries, 177 yards on the ground. About fucking time for the guy that we were talking about as potentially being a Heisman finalist uh, come season's end. He has that kind of talent. It's time he fucking showcases it. Great game for Judkins. Huge game for Judkins. My last winner of the week, Quinn Ewers. Perfect trap game for Texas with Kansas. They tried to make this thing a shootout. Ewers didn't panic, stayed poised, got points through the air and on the ground. And this kid's postgame in- interview was nothing short of incredible. He was asked time and time again about his own effort and what it meant to this team. And every time he gave credit to his teammates, this Texas squad is good. I think Ewers is the guy to lead them to the college football playoff. We've got probably one of the most anticipated Red River rivalry games, say that five times fast, coming up this year. (laughs) And man, it's going to be fun this weekend. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fucking awesome. And I I said at the start of this uh, episode that things are starting to take shape in college football. I've got Texas as my best team in the country right now. Number one, hands down, they've shown me the most uh, of any team up there at the top right now. And it all starts with the guy at QB, Quinn Ewers. Absolutely. Hey, if Georgia struggles against UK this weekend and Texas wins that game by handedly, I think we could definitely see him moving to that top spot. Very possible. And the way Georgia's playing, they're going to struggle against Kentucky. All right, moving over to losers, Gav. Who you got as the first guy? My first loser. It's not really a loser. It's loser is the wrong word, but I got to bring it up. Riley Leonard, man. It's it's a shame to see him go down uh, in that fashion. Is he did he tear his ACL? No, but for a Duke team that had high hopes of winning the ACC and still does, to be honest, they have zero ACC losses. It, it's a shame to see their QB go down like that. Not only that, but a guy that's uh, on Mel Kuyper's big board as a potential first round pick in the NFL draft. I want to see him get healthy and get healthy quick. Same here, man. My first loser of the week, we're keeping it at the quarterback position, and that's Spencer Rattler. God damn it, man. Every time this kid reels us back in, he pulls some shit like this. He played so bad in this game against Tennessee that the Gamecock running game had to step up. Do you know how bad that is, man? Just once, I would like to see see Rattler play well for three straight games. It's infuriating, and I'm done believing in Spencer Rattler. I'm writing this kid off. I'm doing it. (laughs) No more Spencer on this show. He's, He's on that Dabo list of guys we hate. My second loser... I've already talked about him being a loser. The USC Trojans. That defense is bad, and you're entering the part of your schedule where you can't have a bad defense. USC is a pretender. They need to shape it up quick. 100%. Now, my next loser for the week is Brian Kelly. We talked about Lane Kiffin as a winner. Now let's talk about Brian Kelly as a loser. How do you let this team take this big a step back after last season? You are not only a coach that has reached the college football playoff before, but you're a head coach with one of the biggest programs in college football. You have every resource possible at your disposal, and you still can't get it done. What are we doing here? Drop that fake Southern accent, get some recruits, fix this. 
I love me some Brian Kelly hate as a former USC Trojans fan growing up. So fuck that guy, loser. My third and final loser is the Georgia Bulldogs. What are we doing coming down to the wire against the Auburn Tigers? A team that doesn't know who their quarterback is because none of them can throw the football. This was ridiculous. The second time we've seen this from Georgia, the first time being that South Carolina game down at half for the second time this season. The defense is great. We know that they're holding they're holding teams to less than 20 points a game, and that's going to be every team they play this season. But this offense, man, it's it's not wowing me like it has in years past. They're showing vulnerability. They don't look like the number one team in the country. And I have serious concerns for how that that perfect record is going to hold up coming into the second half of the season. I'm sitting right there with you for my final loser. Is their schedule easy this year? Yes. Does that mean the Bulldogs can sleepwalk through it? Absolutely not. That is now back-to-back closed games where the Bulldogs have waited until the second half to pull away. And you have to be better as the number one team in the country. You got a UK team that is no joke coming into town next week. And if they don't stop them, I'm going to have some serious questions as to whether this team is actually the best team in the country. Yep, couldn't agree more. All right, jump into the picks for the weekend, and how did we do, Gavin? I know you had a huge one. Uh, I had a huge one, and collectively, we did good. Uh, you went 1-1-1 one, one, and one yourself. I went 3-0. and oh. That makes us 4-1-1 one, and one on the weekend. My 3-0 and oh, highlighted by the play of the week with Notre Dame and Duke under 52.5. In case you can't do basic math, the final score in that game was 35 points total. Didn't even sniff the under. Easy pick there. Kentucky money line. The line movement didn't scare us, and I'm glad. And finally, I went back to the Oregon State well, and it paid off. They covered that spread with ease. You got a nice push from the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana, losing by 11 to Minnesota. A win on Kentucky money line as well. And Washington, uh-oh, didn't cover a spread. What's going on? It's finally time to give up on the Washington spreads. For now. For now. I mean, <laughs> for now. Arizona finally made the switch off to Laura. Good for them. I mean, they put up some points, but yeah, I mean, Washington's going to be just fine. This game doesn't concern me at all. Yeah, no, that's only, I only bring it up jokingly. They're fine. I got them as the number two team in the country behind Texas right now. So the Huskies got to really show me they suck before I'm out on them. Yeah. What's your top four looking like? Give me a little rundown. I definitely still have Georgia in there, but I'm going to go Texas, Washington, Georgia, Michigan. That's my top four right now. I'm still waiting for Ohio State to show me that offense can explode before I put them past Michigan. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. I maybe have Penn State as an alternate in there, but yeah, it's it's clear Texas is the best team in the country. Washington at number two. Uh, You know, I want to give Washington number two, but I'm going to say until Florida State loses, they're going to stick there in that top four. We'll see how it goes, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. I am not a seminal believer, but they are undefeated. So that's yeah. enough to keep them up there for now. <clears throat> Absolutely. All right. Jumping over to the NFL. Wild weekend, to say the least. Had some huge matchups, whether it be the Bills taking on the Dolphins or the Lions dominating the Packers in Green Bay. And we're going to stick with that game to open up our slate. Lions, first in the NFC North, got their first test. They passed with flying colors, blowing out the Packers on the road at Lambeau. Yep. It might be about time for me to give up on Green Bay winning the North and transition to the Lions. Just kidding. Still too early for that. But I'm starting to worry. This game showed that the Packers have one way of winning football games, and it's not from behind. Get off to an early lead, and Jordan Love is not enough to bring this offense from behind, bring this team behind, and win football games regularly playing in that fashion. This Lions offense was far too explosive. 
This defense was far too active getting after Jordan Love on the line of scrimmage and exposed Green Bay's weakness, which is they need to be far more physical early on in the game and get points on the board early in the game and keep teams off the board early in the game. That's what it all comes down to for me. This game was over after the first quarter. You saw it after that Jordan Love pick. They go down 21 to three and they 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 were just struggling. So yeah, you can look at whatever stats you want to for this game, but the bottom line is this Lions offense is explosive. And as long as they're playing with a lead, it's going to be tough to keep up with them. 100%, man. You mentioned the golf fence was in full swing. David Montgomery played stellar. So did Amon Ross and Brown. But the defense was the huge story for me in this one. They got after Jordan Love a total of five times, sacking him. And they picked him off twice. Huge win for the Lions. This was probably the best game of football I think they've played all year. And Jared Goff didn't even have to do a ton. So that tells you all you need to know. Yeah. When you allow this Lions defense to really hone in on the pass because they're playing so far in front, they're good. But when you can mix in run and pass, they are very susceptible to that passing game. The Packers offense became one-dimensional because they had to play from behind. If they had not been one-dimensional, I expect this game to be a lot closer, but that's how the Lions are going to win football games, man. They're going to use that explosive offense to get out to leads, force you to throw the ball, and when they know you're throwing it, they become dangerous. 100%. I mean, the only team that's really given them a challenge this year is your Seahawks, so props to Gav. Well, and that's because we didn't let them get ahead of us too quick. I mean, they exposed our secondary, which isn't phenomenal, but Gino and company were able to keep pace and keep our offense two-dimensional, which forced the Lions to worry about K9 on the ground as well as number seven through the air, and both were able to be successful. Huge win. Jumping over to a team that did get exposed, and that was the Dolphins a little bit. They're a great team, still got some work to do. Don't get me wrong, they're going to be just fine, but Josh Allen outplayed to it a Sunday, and that's the big story for me in this one. Yeah, me too. I'm looking at the Miami defense in this one, scratching my head a little bit, thinking to myself, man, did we just decide to not make the trip to Buffalo? Because this front seven is a lot more talented than what they showed me this weekend. Just letting Josh Allen pick him apart. He only, he only threw for 320 yards. It felt like Josh Allen threw for like 500, but it was 320 through the air, only four incompletions. He had just as many touchdowns. On offense, the Dolphins were fine. I mean, Tua threw for 282, a touchdown and a pick, but it was it was about the defense giving up 48 to the Bills, not being able to keep up with Josh Allen and company. I want to say it's a one-off, but we saw this team get torched on the road in week one by Justin Herbert and company. Now I'm starting to wonder if they can hold up against offenses that can really throw the football. I thought this defense was better than maybe it actually is, but again, the talent's there. I'm just waiting for them to put all the pieces together like they did in weeks two and three. I think a huge lift for that Dolphins defense is getting Jalen Phillips back. He's still, he's been hurt all season. Once they get him back, that defensive front is going to be even more dangerous. But you mentioned it. I mean, Josh Allen looked like the quarterback that everyone treats him as. And when he plays like that, the Bills are just going to flat out win. He protects the football. He's the best player on the field. Dolphins, as I said, still a great football team. They just ran to a squad. They did what they had to do to beat the team that the Dolphins are. And this is where we're going to see what the Dolphins are made of. They got punched in the face this week. Now, can they make adjustments necessary to beat the Bills next time when they have them at home? Yeah, incredibly efficient play from Josh Allen and company. You mentioned it. He held on to the football, which is an area that I have been very critical of him in the past. And I will continue to be because this is just one game. I still believe he turns the ball over far too much and makes far too many dumb decisions at the quarterback position to be successful long term in this league. But great game for him this week. Can't take anything away from him in that regard. 
incredibly efficient play from the Buffalo Bills. I mean, these are the two best teams in the AFC East. It's not close and potentially two of the best teams in the AFC conference. They will be there in the playoffs come January and February. And I expect both of these teams to be legitimate AFC championship contenders. 1000%. All right, jumping over to a division that looks like it's full of contenders all of a sudden, and that is the AFC South. And we got to start by talking about these rookie QBs, man. I mean, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, both QBs looked impressive as Stroud torched the Steelers defense to the air, putting up 300 yards and three scores for the second straight week. As for Anthony Richardson, who was returning from a concussion, no less, he led the Colts back from a 23-0 deficit to force overtime. Which of these quarterbacks looked the most impressive to you this week? It's got to be C.J. Stroud. Has he thrown a pick yet? I don't think he has. He has not. He has protected that football. Just incredible, man. Getting this Texans team to a 2-2 two and two start to the season. Again, the word I love to use is efficient, efficient, efficient. C.J. Stroud has been nothing short of that all year long. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. ARs looked phenomenal also. But the Texans are winning games, man. They're winning games because of C.J. Stroud It is super fucking fun to watch. He's taking care of the football. He's making plays down the field. He's top 10 in the league right now in QBR, which is just awesome. Ahead of Jared Goff, ahead of Geno, ahead of Dak, ahead of Hurts, ahead of Patrick Mahomes, man. He he is balling. And the reason this this Texans team is two and two right now. Absolutely. For me, though, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit here. I think Anthony Richard has been the more impressive quarterback just from the context that he entered the league in, right? For all the criticism surrounding Richardson and his ability to be an NFL quarterback and lead a football team, he did everything he needed to do to set up his team to win this football game. He showed incredible poise, leadership, mounting this comeback. And I think the Colts finally have a quarterback, which it feels like a decade since we've been able to say that. But this is this is a Colts team that is going to be a problem for teams in the NFL this year. Yeah, and AR poses that threat on the ground that CJ doesn't pose in his own right over there in Houston. And that's hurting teams too. I think AR is getting into the the end zone on the ground pretty much every week he starts. Both of these quarterbacks just look incredible. I did not expect them to look this good early on in the season. And they have me believing that they can lead either one of these teams to the playoffs. Jumping over to other teams that look like they might make a playoff push, and that is the Jaguars and the Titans, both sitting at two and two. Which of these teams do you think will come out on top in the AFC South besides just the Colts and the Texans? (laughs) We got four teams in that division sitting at two and two right now. It's anyone's ball game. If I had to take one team right now, I am going to take the Tennessee Titans only because they've got the most experience. They play well as underdogs. They can move the ball great on the ground, but that is subject to change considering their defense is easily exposed. This division's kind of putting my brain in the blender, man. I think I need two to three more weeks to see exactly who's real and who's not real, but fun stuff out of this division that we expected to be one team pulling away pretty early on into the season. Absolutely, man. And I'll hold you to that. Two, three weeks, you're giving me a prediction for the AFC South. I can do that. I can do that in two weeks for you. All right. Speaking of divisions that we got completely wrong, though, we got to jump over to the AFC North because this is just an absolute mess right now. I mean, the Ravens look like the only real competent team in this division, but it's only because Lamar Jackson is putting this team on his back. Yep, the Ravens look like the only competent team. I'm officially out on the Steelers. I'm done giving them any sort of slack. They cannot move the ball on the ground. Kenny looks meh, and the defense can't pick up all the slack. I'm done with Pittsburgh. 
They suck. And speaking of teams that suck, my God, Joe Burrow, what the fuck is going on in Cincinnati, man? That offense looks so stagnant. Jamar Chase starting to get upset. It's it's Baltimore's division to lose at this point because the Browns are a dumpster fire on their own, right? Losing Nick Chubb for the season. Why is Deshaun Watson not playing? I'm really confused. And yeah, the Ravens don't look phenomenal, but they got the only QB playing good football. It's a goddamn dumpster fire. And like you said, Lamar is the only QB playing competent football in that division so you gotta take the Ravens for the time being yeah I mean what are the Bengals doing sending out hobble Joe Burrow that's so ridiculous they need to sit him down get him healthy they just dropped a game to the Titans as we mentioned and they only put up three points in that they're falling to one and three they still have time they just need to sit Joe Burrow let him recover because the more they trot him out and he gets injured it's just gonna be worse not only for this season but for years to come if he seriously gets hurt because they got Jamar Chase's contract coming up they gotta pay that guy T Higgins they gotta negotiate with I mean this is just this is turning bad quick down in Cincinnati yeah, you can't take too much time, though, because you got the Ravens at 3-1, and one, and they are sure to keep winning football games with how Lamar's playing. Let's see, let me see, look at their schedule, see what they got coming up. Yeah, the Ravens got Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Detroit, Arizona. So, not exactly an easy schedule, but some winnable football games there. The Ravens keep winning, and the Bengals' offense stays stacking as it is. This division is going to get out of hand quick. Yeah, I think the Bengals might be screwed. They got the Cardinals, the Seahawks, that's a loss. The Niners, that's a loss. The Bills, that's a loss. The Texans, that's probably even a loss. And the Ravens. So they could end up only being 2-7 and seven by week. That, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah if you had told them the Bengals be 2-7 and seven, come week, week 10, that's I, I would have called you crazy. But here we are. Joe Burrow's playing hurt this offense is stagnant uh, and yeah don't the, the browns and the steelers are irrelevant they got great defenses but i mean other than that absolute dumpster fires matt canada has to go kevin stefanski probably has to go what the fuck's going on up there in the north yeah i don't know what the browns are gonna do they're kind of screwed um <laughs> jumping over to a division that isn't entirely screwed and that's the nfc east huge weekend for them i mean the commanders were so close to finally exposing the eagles gav we've been waiting for it but a Jake Elliott field goal saved them. And I mean, if this game was sent to overtime, who knows what happens? The Eagles are going to get beat here pretty soon. And it's going to be, a, you know, I, I don't know when it's going to be, but they're, they're asking to just get beat. They haven't wowed me in any week so far. And the commanders are fine. They're not a great team, but they're fine. At home, you expect the Eagles to win that game by more than three points. So, yeah, they, they got away with a cupcake schedule last year. I've been saying it. I'm just waiting for this team to get upset. This defense does not look great. I mean, giving up 31 points to Sam Howell and company, what the fuck's going on? Uh, this offense is still scoring, but against a, a, a competent defense, they're going to struggle. We saw that week one with New England. And the rest of the division, they're, they're, they're coming for him. I mean, like I said, the commanders are rebuilding. They're not going to be it this year. But they look all right. They're two and two. And the Cowboys finally got back on track. 38-3 blowout win. Handed Bill Belichick the largest loss of his career career it's all about the defense down there in dallas and having dak just not make mistakes i mean as you said the commanders i think they're a pretty frisky team this year even with the rebuild sam howell looks like a decent quarterback a couple of great plays against the eagles including that one touchdown pass late to deshaun dotson the defense is also solid for them i mean they have a great d-line the secondary looks super strong especially with rookie emmanuel forbes back there but you mentioned the cowboys huge bounce back win for them dak also bounced back in a huge way 28 to 34 for 261 yards and a touchdown I truly just believe this team can win this division. I just need to see Dak be consistent because I don't think they can rely on their defense to score to win games. No, obviously not. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna continue to say they're they're going to win this division. Uh 
they don't need the defense to score. They just need the defense to play well and Dak to not turn the football over. Uh, we saw it this week. Incredibly efficient. Only six incompletions, one touchdown, no picks. He's not wowing me, but he's taking care of the football. And as long as his defense isn't getting gashed on the ground, that's all the Cowboys need out of him, man. I mean, he he just needs to be a game manager. And it's it's I'm not asking Dak to do a whole lot, man. You don't need to be the star of the show taking all these huge leaps. Just let Tony Pollard go to work. Let the defense go to work. And don't turn the fucking football over. Keep finding Jake Ferguson, man. Huge game for the former Badger. Seven receptions for 77 yards. Just find the guys you can rely on and take care of the football. And this team will be very good and have serious Super Bowl aspirations. Yeah. Before we wrap up and jump into picks, I feel like we got to mention it, though. The Giants suck. (laughs) Oh, my God. They're so bad. I mean... The Seahawks only won by 20 or like 24 to three last night, but this game felt like it was 60 to zero. Yeah. We, the Seahawks didn't look good um, in our own right. We should have blown them out by, by more, but this Giants team, man, the offense just cannot get anything going. Uh, the defense was decent at shutting down our, our passing game, but dude, Daniel Jones looks like the biggest waste of $160 million, maybe in the history of football. It is tough to watch for Giants fans, especially after the promising year last year. 100%, man. I mean, this team is nothing without Saquon Barkley, and it looks like they're kind of bad for not paying him. Granted, he did get hurt already, but still pretty tough. I mean, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Wrapping up the show here, a couple of thoughts on Sunday Night Football. Cool that Taylor Swift is an NFL fan, I guess, and uh, Zach Wilson's strides. <laughs> Other than that, um, is the NFL reading games for the Chiefs this year? <laughs> no, but Zach Wilson kind of looked like Joe Namath last night, man. Not last night, Sunday night, man. He was he was making plays, uh, yeah. which is good to see if you're a Jets fan, but still not sold on him being a competent quarterback in the league. All in all, a week in the NFL, which confused me, man, especially in the AFC South, um, especially in the NFC North. Well, not really, but... Just some games that were just interesting. So waiting for things to take shape. Uh, I feel like we've got a great read on college, but the NFL is still still anyone's league right now. Uh, not seeing any one team say they really want to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, maybe the 49ers, but yeah. yeah. I like what you said, though. Two to three weeks. Two to three weeks, we'll have a pretty good idea of what's going on in the NFL. Hopefully. I agree. Two to three weeks and we'll know. But you're right. Right now it's... It's the Niners and everyone else, man. Brock Purdy, goddamn, he's playing some ball. All right, wrapping up the show with picks. I finally had a good weekend in the NFL. Oh my god, I needed this one bad. Commanders plus eight, huge. Bucks money line, never a doubt. And then of course the Raiders Chargers over was pretty brutal. Um, the Raiders suck. We are we are so bad. I I I have nothing left to say. I mean, we're we're in, we're in Giants territory. Yeah, you're close though. Aiden, Aiden O'Connell, you know, throws a touchdown instead of that pick and uh, that overbangs. So great week, great bounce back week. Um, first winning week for you all season. Great, great to see that. Um, I had myself a losing week, although my play of the week in the NFL did smash. Cowboys passed under 43. That was a sweat though. <laughs> there were 31 points at halftime. So I was, I was not feeling good. Uh, Colts money line. I thought that bet was dead at halftime. AR 
brought me back to life only for Puka Nakua to just put a dagger through my chest. Uh, and Dolphins plus three, that bet was over by halftime. So uh, a couple of bad reads. I'll be back this week with uh, some better picks and you can bet we'll be back to our winning ways. Oh, 100%. Honestly, it's impressive you've gone this far and doing this well in the NFL with just how wild this league is this year. It's been weird, man. I'm Like you said, two to three weeks, we'll be back in this motherfucker. But for the time being, uh, I, I could I could be confused by some more lines. I think the goal this at this point is just if you see a weird line, take the opposite. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, except for last night with Seattle, man. I had Seattle at plus money. I know we talked about them opening as underdogs. Fucking really weird, so... Should have gave that one out, but I feel weird betting on my own team sometimes. No, there's no emotion in making money. You got to do it. All right. Well, that's <laughs> our show. We will see you guys later in the week for a breakdown of college football and the NFL slate this weekend. Should be a good one. See y'all Thursday.